Welcome back, New York Liberty fans, for another episode of Gotta Get Up. Brian Florentin and I, Eric L. Ayala, are going to talk about, of course, the last win against the Las Vegas Aces, making a little bit of history at home, and equalizing the regular season series. Now, if we count, of course, the Commissioner's Cup, the Liberty have the overall series. But we're going to talk about Vegas. We're going to talk about this winning streak that New York has been on and take a look at the rest of the WNBA schedule and the race for number one. All that and more coming up on Gotta Get Up. Hey, women's basketball fans, welcome to Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media and hosted by Erica L. Ayala. And welcome to another episode of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. My name, Erica L. Ayala, and as always, I am here with Brian Florentin, who is back in BK after being in in, uh, Michigan for a little bit. Brian, we're so happy to have you back. I I know you've been making your rounds and catching up with the team since being back, including being at Barclays for last night's win over Vegas. And let's see. Yes. Props always work. If there's a, if there's a if there's a giveaway to have, you grab it and you take it home with you. That's it. That's it. Between Brian and his pizza box and Sandy Brondello and her bucket cap, I mean, it, y'all stand fresh in, in BK. You love to see it. But okay, Brian, we know we had another big matchup between the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces. It was the final regular season matchup between these two sides coming in the regular season record was two one in favor of Vegas. Of course, that does not include the commissioner's cup. Uh, So New York was able to level the series. How did they do it? There were so many great sort of factors that the Liberty did, right? One thing that I thought was most impressive was their defense even though Asia went off and had a great scoring game, they made it incredibly hard for her. Like I saw Jack Maloney from CBS made a great observation that every time Asia was in the low post, he had a bunch of shots. And they they just tried to kind of like more to face up against the Liberty defenders. And that's why she had a little bit more success. But even with that, the Liberty threw a crowd at her pretty much every time. Every time she tried to drop to the basket, there was extra help. They were able to get a lot of turnovers based off of that. They were able to get in transition and really sort of push the tempo against Vegas. And also... For a lot of the night, they played five on four. Sandy Brondello and the Liberty almost made it a deliberate point to really ignore Kia Stokes and Alicia Clark, which was really surprising because throughout the season, Clark had been a really fantastic three-point shooter, but the strategy was we can play off of those two and put extra focus and attention on the big four, and it worked out. It, it was a fantastic strategy, even though Wilson was great. Kelsey Plum had one of her worst games of the season. Chelsea Gray had one of her worst games of the season. And the duo of Benajah Laney and Kayla Thornton were essential on the on defense, making it really hard for her, contesting every shot she put up. They were really able to get that success and really push the tempo and really wear Vegas out. And on the other side, 
it, after, they started a little bit slowly. They were down like 16, 17 to begin with, but you never felt like they were going to fall out of range. Like they, it was very, okay, we, we took this first hit. Let's, let's center ourselves. Let's get back on the go. Let's, let's, let's keep getting those good shots we've been getting so far. And then gradually the three-pointer started to fall and that opened up driving lanes. Vandersloot had so much success finishing at the basket, finishing in traffic, spotting up, finding players on the move. It was a really great game in that regard for Courtney. Sabrina had, I thought, one of her best all-around games on both sides of the ball. She was very sort of stout defensively, even though Vegas was making an effort to go after her frequently. She was able to hold up well play well into the team scheme of the defense. And then on offense, a lot of great movement off the ball, a lot of catch and shoot threes. And on those moments where Vegas was sort of like take their foot off the gas or have like those, those momentary lapses, Sabrina's flashing open for wide open threes every time and cashing in. So for the Liberty, it was a situation where great ball movement, timely, timely off ball movements, great cuts, owning the glass again, Great switching on defense, great help when 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 there's a great post player who's going to work. All of those things came together and really put forth a great all-around performance in front of a, a record crowd at Barclays last night. And so I want to dive a little bit deeper on the defensive side because we've talked a lot and there has been a lot of talk about how either one of these teams defensively was going to game plan, given that these are the top two teams in the league both can crush you in transition. The New York Liberty in particular, um, I think are the more consistent team from the perimeter, but that's not to say that, you know, the Las Vegas Aces can't drop anvils from deep and just absolutely crush and annihilate teams. But I think what we saw is the defense for the Aces in this series has fallen a little bit to the wayside and the discipline that they've had defensively early on, not just against the Liberty, but just overall has fallen to the wayside. Yeah. I mean, I thought we made, uh, especially in that second quarter, we made a lot of mistakes defensively. I thought we cleaned it up a little bit better. It's that third quarter and that stretch from when they called the timeout that run on, um, you know, from midway through the first into the second, I thought that was the difference of the game. Are there some four shots here and there? Yeah, there were. Um, but that's going to happen throughout the course of the game. It can't be bad shot, bad defense, bad shot. Those are the little streaks and little runs that um, we have to try to, to to clean up. There's not a lot of room for air against this team. There's just not um, too many fire, too much firepower. Where the Liberty have gained even more discipline defensively and are really playing defense by committee to, again, not just to expose weaknesses from the other team, but maybe even more so protect air quote weaknesses or just make sure that they are defending by committee, which is effectively what you have to do against aces. So let's go a little bit deeper into the defense. First, let's talk about Brian, what you really, really liked. And if there was something that stood out to you that the Liberty did differently in last night, Monday night's game, comparative to the last time they played Las Vegas um, at the Aces home court. Well, one big difference from, I guess, a similarity that turned into a difference from the, the fourth meeting in Vegas to, to, to last night's game was that when JJ got into foul trouble, the Liberty did not fall off a cliff. 
Like last time, JJ got into, into early foul trouble, and then they just went down by a bunch, and they had to fight back to get back into the game. And then they they sort of ran out. They sort of like didn't bring it all the way home in the fourth quarter. This time, they Benajelani and post game told us that they played with a lot more aggressiveness on defense in this game as compared to that last game, and it really showed. They they really played a lot of great physical defense. Like every time they would try to do like a cross game for Asia, they give it like a nice little bump, just not nothing dirty, just like very legal. Just hey, make make sure that you feel me while I'm here. And then when you get to your spot, you're gonna have three hand, gonna have a bunch of hands crowding you up, making it really hard. And I think it really stood to the the effectiveness of Kayla Thorne and Stephanie Dawson. They only scored three points between them, but I bo- I thought KT in particular was excellent. Like she was really great. She's doing a great job handling the switches. Like there will there'll be plays where she gets switched onto gray and she'd really force out into really difficult fadeaway jumpers late in the clock and being, and having a defender like Casey who can play the four, who can slide down to the three in a big lineup. It gives them a lot of flexibility and a player like Casey who just gives you that maximum energy, that maximum effort. And as someone who can guard up and guard a big and can't slide down and guard some perimeter players as well too it's almost like a swiss army knife coming off the bench and it ensures that sandy's always going to have a lockdown defender on the court at all times and i think just for the liberty just overall the activity level on defense has really been picking up and gradually improving and improving and improving just as a quick aside like when they beat the links on saturday night you know, we we talked about like there's so much talk about the 111 points, which was a season high, but the activity level on defense was amazing. Like there were so many possessions in the second quarter where the Lynx would think that where the Lynx kind of tried to get a shot up, but Jocelyn Willoughby's flying at you, KT's flying at you. They're switching everything seamlessly. It's like it's like a perfect like chain link fence where everything is connected and it's and it's encircling everything around you. And I thought that was the same thing last night. The defense was really great. You know, when um like there there'd be moments where like the players will switch onto plum and then oh hey, there's 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 someone else who who, who picks up Asia on the roll, making sure that you there you're always playing the passing lanes, really doing things like that. And I thought also for Dolson. She didn't get a block, but she had some great rim protection as well, too. There were a couple drives that Plum had where Dolson was on the court, and she was able to do the verticality, just keep your hands up, don't foul, lean. That's great. That's that's great, smart, heady defense, and it it, it boosts up the the Liberty's transition attack from there. So I think it was just a great – it was almost a master class in execution, in preparation, in scouting, and in effort. So I think for the group, when they look back at this tape, they'll be able to highlight so many great subtle moments of what they did right and how they were able to sort of like amplify their strengths and build on what they needed to do. I love that you mentioned Steph Dolson, and I want to stick there for a minute before also going to something that Jackie Powell and I talked about while you were on vacation, and that is this small lineup for the New York Liberty, um, because it's something that we saw again against the Aces, and it's been they've been using it a little bit more. But to talk about Steph Dolson, so if you look at her her minutes, she played the least amount of minutes between anyone that got to see the court 605 the three points between her and Kayla Thornton well they all belong to Steph Dolson Kayla didn't have any points but she put in almost 18 minutes of service and again we'll probably talk about Thornton a little bit more when we talk about the smaller lineup but 
for a, a game where John Cole Jones and arguably in controversial fashion picked up five personal fouls to see Steph Dolson only have six minutes and then Hanju, Niara, and Jocelyn not see the court at all. If you had told me just by looking at the the um, the the box score that the Liberty would have won a game where all of those things were true, I'd be like, "You lying! There's no way." <laughs> John Paul Jones in foul trouble, Steph Dolson playing less than seven minutes, and Kayla Thornton not scoring, and the Liberty won the game. No way. But I think that goes to, again, the defense by committee. I just called like almost 30, 30 plus hockey games. And so as you were talking, I was thinking of the hockey phrase that we talk about a lot, which is when it's basically a high press. In basketball, we would call it a high press or a full court press. In hockey, they call it four checking. As soon as the other team has that, the puck on their stick, boom, you're down their throats. As soon as the other team inbounds the ball, before they inbound the ball, boom, on their throats. And I remember when I was in New York a couple of weeks ago now at the top, closer to the top of the month, one of the things that Sandy Brondello would stop practice for is if on the inbounds in the scrimmage, she felt that her team wasn't high pressing enough. So I think that also goes into it. Defense is truly about positioning, cutting angles, and a lot of that is being is anticipating. You are trying to erase something. Good defense erases something before it happens, as opposed to reacting. The best defense—that's how you do it. Um, and blocks are fun. And sometimes you can't see players. I think Asia Wilson does this. Brianna Stewart does this. They can bait people into, oh, yeah, I'm about to swap this crap. And so that's the more fun part of defense, right? But honestly, it's really about anticipating. So I think we've started to see that the instincts, right, the spidey senses <laughs> for the New York Liberty are much more heightened, and it's muscle memory for them now. Um, I think there's also, though, a decent amount of communication that we're also seeing um, verbal, more verbal communication and having the confidence to let your teammate know they need to be here or that you need this or, you know, to do that. And so I think it's just really clicking. But as I said, I think the other piece of this, and it's actually something that we heard from Vegas camp earlier, Vegas is a team that Becky Hammond said something and shout out to Nikias who asked this question, but she said something akin to her team works hard on defense because they know that when they work hard defensively, they are rewarded on the offensive side. Yep. That always stood out to me. Um, and we talked about it a little bit with Vegas, but I think they've lost a little bit of that, whether it's the fatigue, which I know has been a, a big conversation or whether it's just, you know, sometimes the way you think of quote unquote reward. And again, that's just kind of a phrase that Becky Hammond used. Sometimes if you, you know, get too much of a good thing, you take it for granted. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so has that been something that just from a mentality perspective that the aces need to get back to basics when it comes to that hard nosed defense? I think it could be, but also the reason I wanted to talk about the aces defense is because they also got thrown something in the last two games, but particularly in this one where they had to adjust and it's um, the, the Liberty going with a smaller lineup and being successful with that smaller lineup. 
because yep. the Aces and the Liberty are two teams. I think you can put Connecticut in there even without Bree Jones, with Bree Jones for sure. Without Bree Jones, these are three teams, and they're the top three teams that will suffocate you offensively and defensively in the paint if you let them. So the Liberty, though, and again, we saw that heat map, the Liberty have been able to spread that suffocating dominant perimeter defense and also fatigue and frustrate Kelsey Plum. To what effect do you think that having Maureen Johannes play more minutes and then have Kayla Thornton step up into, you know, more of a, a, a post role, like you said, for playing four or guarding the four or five, in what ways do you think that gave Vegas some difficulty with what their defensive assignments were? Yeah, um, for Marine in particular, she's someone that is so quick off the ball. And when she gets downhill, like her, I was sitting in press row, like her first shot was the runner that she just like floated off the bank. I just looked around, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, did, did, did we just see this? I'm like, what? So just having that, Becky in postgame was like. You know, Johannes comes in, hits us again for, you know, eight quick ones. She does her work dirty. She's like a little assassin. Uh, sniper, it comes in, bang, bang, and she's out before you even see her. <laughs> the behind-the-back three that she shot over Wilson, like, I I was sitting next to my guy, Lucas Kaplan. I was like, pull that up on the replay so I can watch it again. This is, this. oh, my God, how? And I think for Maureen in particular, just having a guard who, 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 who has a quick release, which I think is very valuable, especially against a team that's as good defensively as Vegas is, just yeah. someone who's, who moves well off the ball, who's always active, always on the go, can just make any kind of pass and any kind of shot. So you never really know, oh, she, you're thinking she's going to go left. She's going backwards. So it's never a situation where you can just plan out and expect her to be I guess, predictable in a sense. So having a player like Marine, which also, to, to the fatigue point, there was a point early in the season where it looked like Courtney Vanderson was just like, was getting a little bit tired. It was a lot of heavy lifting on her. I think last week you and Jackie talked about Brianna Stewart's minutes. So having a situation where you can sit Courtney down for a while, or if, if they're doing a three-guard lineup, have her dial back a little bit just to sort of create and leave the shot making to Marine and Ionesco and Laney doing stuff like that helps. It keeps players on the court, but also it dials back their responsibilities. So it's like they're not burning those extra miles while they're out on the court. You mentioned Courtney Vandersloot and something that, yes, Jackie and I did talk about, even if just more on a tertiary level, because we really dialed into Marine Johannes on that yeah. two-part series. Go check it out if you haven't listened over on Black Rosie Media. Um, but Courtney Vandersloot, 17 points. Now we had we saw Vandersloot have difficulty even in the last two uh, prior to yesterday, the last two games, uh, so one, it was a split, the win in the Commissioner's Cup, and then the loss to Vegas in the regular season. But we saw Courtney Vandersloot struggle a little bit, and she talked about that as well, from what I understand, you know, about, um, or, or, you know, discussing as a team that there were times maybe where she um needed to look up Sabrina talked about it, I should say I was like was it Courtney or Sabrina but same thing I think Courtney fell into the same thing where she might have been driving to to kind of to just yeah exactly 
and not looking for her own shot. And that's what led to a decent amount of turnovers. Like we talked about this last time you and I were on the mm -hmm. podcast, that the turnovers were getting a little bit crazy. And we saw that they had a low, a season low against the links. And you talked about how the, like the ball was just moving, but I think, yes, to your point, having that smaller lineup, Again, JJ in foul trouble and the team being able to weather that storm because, you know, we have on our little rundown 11 of the last 12. The Liberty have won 11 of their last 12 games. And we've been talking about John Quill Jones being a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. Still true. John Quill Jones had another great performance against. Um, you know, against the aces. She had 10 rebounds. Now her points were low. And of course, her fouls were up, but those 10 rebounds, again, we talk about making the right play at the right time. And we've talked about this before. John Quell Jones does not always have the most level head, but we have been talking about you and I, Jackie and I talked about it, how she's been getting more mature. And I do think Monday's game was indicative of that. Things got a little dicey with her, uh, you know, and, and Kayla, um, but I think that overall her approach to it was mature. She was able to stay within her game. And most importantly, the Liberty were able to get things moving. And so talk to, we talked about this, I want to say maybe like week four or five, but there was something that Sandy Brondello said where she said there's um, – I'm going to paraphrase it, but there is kind of a gift in having upside. She was asked, I think it was another uh, ESPN or ABC game, and Rebecca Lobo was reporting that Sandy Brondello was questioning how much better can Vegas actually get? I remember that. Came out the hop like a bat out of hell. How much better can they get? And it's not it's not an indictment on their work ethic. It's just they happen to have played arguably, or at least Sandy Brondello was questioning if Vegas had more that they could offer when they were singing on all cylinders so early in the season. And she knew her team was not. We, we were talking offline about, you know, the, how the super team ain't so super. Huh? And how Sandy, you know, after that loss to Chicago was very blunt with us in media, but she also was always consistent. The New York Liberty has always been consistent in saying, we're not there yet. We're not at our complete 40. And we know that there's work we have to do to get there. And Brian winning 11 of their last 12 games, including two wins in the regular season, three um, overall in that last stretch, against the Vegas Aces. Um, do you agree now, in hindsight, with what Sandy Ronsdello said, with that, you know, there's an advantage to having more runway and more upside? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's so hard to make it up to, to make it to the top of the mountain, but it gets even harder to stay there because mm. you know that every night you like you can't sort of like dial it back even a little bit because you're gonna get maximum effort every single night you know i think back to the first to the second game the first one in brooklyn where the liberty won by a lot you know when the liberty got up by like 20 something people were like oh maybe they could just slow it down uh -uh, you can't uh -uh. vegas is yeah. too good 
We cannot like it. It, it comes. It, it's a natural respect for a champion and a champion that had been as dominant and incredible as Vegas had been to start the season. You have to give them a. You have to give them as close to a full forty as humanly possible. Like you can't let up. You can't have those mental mistakes. You can't be like, oh, it's fifteen. It's fifteen points to five minutes ago. Who cares? No, you you play the whole way through. You do not let up. You execute your scout. You do everything to the best of your ability as long as you can. And then when it's over, then you relax. And I think for, I think for teams who make it to the top, you want to stay there, but. The like the road gets longer, the, the the pressure mounts. It's it's not even so much things that you're doing yourself. It's just like everything around you just like starting to pile up. And, you know, for this Vegas team, the core of the team has been on these runs for a while. In 2019, they lost to, to Washington in a deep series. 2020, they made it to the finals and lost to Seattle. 21 conference finals, lost at the at essentially at the buzzer to Phoenix. 22 Commissioners Cup and Championship this year historic run now trying to repeat and stay there it's a lot of basketball a lot of high stakes basketball and i think there i think if we see them again they're going to be up for it but getting there is going to be really hard and you know teams are continuing to get better teams at the bottom of the sense are getting healthy one team in particular that they lost to they are they're back at full strength and new york we're going to see them to end the season who knows what's going to happen with them so there, there are these teams that are really good. They're gonna, they're gonna be lined up waiting for you in particular, and you're never gonna be able to get that moment where you just sort of like kick your feet up a little bit and go at seventy percent in the game. You gotta go full bore every night, and every night you're gonna have someone waiting for you, looking to take you down in particular. So it's always you gotta always keep the keep the meter all the way up here every single game 40 games and now postseason long stretch again so it's 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 a, it's a hard attack it's a it's a hard out it's tough and i feel for vegas because right now is the time where you want to be um not in i don't want to say in cruise control but you want to be on that part of a long journey where you without having to look at the speedometer or you know you just are in the groove like you feel you're feeling the road you know the like the you know the the playlist is popping like everything is running well the aces had that early and now they're getting to the point where it's like all right do we stop do like do we stop for gas now or do we try to get to where we're going and see what happens but then what happens if we hit traffic they have to make these decisions right and it's not that they they're not going to get to the destination, which for them, I really do think is getting to another finals. The way that they played this season, I do think it's finals or bust for them. Uh, and I still think they can get there, but they're going to have to get a little uncomfortable in having to maybe do more start stopping at this point in the season mm-hmm. where the Liberty had that start stop and that jerk kind of out of the, you know, out of the uh, car park. They had that early and now Vegas just happens to be going through that as we're inching closer to the playoffs. But the good news for Vegas is they've already clinched a spot, a spot, excuse me. They're still holding on at least for right now to first place. And they have a literal two time over hall of fame coach. Um, And those are, whether it's Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson. I mean, we can literally go down the line those are some dogs, okay? Um, so whatever Vegas is going through now, 
I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's going to stick, but that's going to be a matter of how much are they willing to really tap into that dog? Cause it's one thing when you have to hit that in the playoffs, everyone understands that your adrenaline is going. It's, I would argue it's more difficult to do in the regular season. And it's even more difficult to do when you've had success early in the regular season. And now you're having to recalibrate so close to the playoffs, not impossible. If a team can do it, it is the aces, but that does bring us to our last bullet point. We want to talk about the upcoming schedule because it is going to be important for many teams. You know, unfortunately you talked about really playing a complete 40 it's unfortunate that not only um, has Seattle not made the playoffs, but there is some conversation about maybe them not playing out a full, you know, to the full clock. And that's why you have to play the way you play every time because you don't want to have to looking at those shoulda, coulda, wouldas. But the teams we know are who are eliminated, the Seattle Storm and the Phoenix Mercury, uh, snapping a streak of the most uh, postseason appearances, and the New York Liberty, you mentioned my colleague over at CBS Sports, Jack Maloney. He has his power rankings up again. And the New York Liberty have superseded the Aces in the CBS Sports power rankings. And I, I think that's I think that's appropriate. The Connecticut Sun also clinched a playoff spot at the time, Brian, you and I are talking, I guess about a week ago now. Um, the AT um, MVP campaign is yes. like something to behold. I'm like, okay, fam, y'all, y'all better do that. Um, but then here are the teams that, um, that are kind of the first ones in, then we have some bubble teams and then who will be the first ones out. Let's start from the bottom. The Indiana fever, I don't think altogether so surprising, but they would be one of the first teams out. And we're actually, on the brink of elimination, but we're able to stave that off against a team that we'll talk about that's a little bit higher up in the standings. Then another team that I do think is a little bit surprising, um, but had a super roller coaster season, um, which in some ways started when their head coach slash GM uh, decided to take his talents uh, to North, um, and that's the Chicago Sky. They would be, um, you know, right now they're on the outside. Um, looking in, they're in the nine spot, at least in the power rankings, in the standings. Let me just double check because those are technically two different things. But you know, they're on the outside looking in. Yes, they're in the they're in the nine spot there. Just wanted to double check that. Then, if you look at the first teams in who are in playoff position but haven't officially clinched yet, the Dallas Wings. The Dallas Wings have effectively been sitting in that four five spot for the majority of the season. I feel pretty confident that they're going to be able to get it done. The team behind them in the power rankings for CBS, but then also in the standings is the Minnesota Lynx. Mm -hmm. Now this is a team that struggled mightily early on. And there's a little bit of drama. If you, you know, follow Ariel Powers on social media, you might know a thing or two about that. But this is a New York Liberty podcast or a podcast for New York Liberty fans. So we're not going to talk about that too much. But, um, you know, they are starting to work their way back. If you talk about the links, I think you have to talk about Diamond Miller, right? And the fantastic season that Diamond Miller has had. And if Diamond did not get hurt early on, could it have been a different kind of trajectory for Minnesota? I guess we'll never know, but they are in that five spot. And then Washington, Atlanta, and the Sparks are 
Um, and more so really Atlanta and the Sparks are, I guess, what you could say arguably are the bubble teams, although I do think all of them will get in at this point. But the Sparks finally getting healthy. Do want to just send our best wishes to Lexi Brown, who's been dealing with a virus all year and has um, had a few different health setbacks for that. It was announced that she will officially miss the remainder of the season. Again, this is a podcast for New York Liberty fans, but there's just a lot going on in the W and we want to send our um, healing vibes to Lexi Brown for that. Um, But a team that's had to battle a lot. And, you know, we know what the Derek Fisher error was. And a lot of people have a lot of things to say about Kurt Miller. And I think some of it, a lot of it is valid. But another thing is that is valid is that under the radar, Kurt Miller made the Connecticut Sun a perennial top three team. Period. Mm-hmm. And that just don't go away, you know, to quote, I've remixed it a little, but to quote uh, Love and Basketball, uh, you know, this, this don't, it just don't go away. Um, so, and you're starting to see that. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the Sparks can be, and they could be a dangerous team down the wire. So that's kind of the quick rundown of where we are. Again, check out my colleague over on CBS Sports, Jack Maloney, for the power rankings, but also in the standings. Now, why that's interesting, Brian, is because, well, we have a few games that at the time that we're recording are tipping off and including a few on CBS, but you know, um, Atlanta is going to play, they play Washington. Let me make sure I have this right. But Atlanta has a tough go for a team that, you know, could be on a bubble. Um, They have a, a, a tough go. They have to play. They're playing Phoenix right now. They play Minnesota, who again has been a team, um, that, you know, they can, they can disrupt some things. Uh, they play Seattle, but then they also have to play Washington and Dallas before the season is out. So I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, but if we look at New York, Brian, they're 1.5 behind the Aces. So first place still in play. How do you like their chances? Let me give you the the rest of the way for the next two weeks in the WNBA. The Liberty will uh, play the Connecticut Sun. They will play the Chicago Sky. They will play the Dallas Wings, the Sparks, and the Mystics. Do you think they can keep that streak that they have going and potentially run the table? It's going to be really hard, but I think they can do it. I think what helps the Liberty is that they're able to beat you in so many different ways. You know, on a night like last night, which I just said foul trouble, it's okay. Sabrina Ionescu is hot from three. And then Brianna Stewart picks it up in the second half. Good to go. And last week in the Sun game, JJ, when Liberty made their big comeback, it was powered by JJ wearing Connecticut out in the post. Connecticut, they... They're a bit without Bree Jones, they've lost so much great size in the post. And now a player like JJ is uniquely exploited to really maximize and punish a team like that. So that that helps the Liberty in that game. And Connecticut's guard room with DeJane Carrington still less than 100%. And, and also what helps the Liberty is that Connecticut's going to be on the second night of a back to back when they play when they play the Liberty on Friday. So that could help the Liberty out as well too. So you may get a Connecticut team that might be a little bit running a little bit tired and then you can take advantage that way. And then the rest of the way, Dallas on Tuesday in Dallas is going to be really hard. The Wings, 
they're such a complicated team to figure out because some days they look completely incredible. Like when they beat the Aces and the Liberty, it was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And then other games, you watch them, it's like, wait a minute, what is, what, what what's happening here? So it, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough outing for sure. The Sparks, like we mentioned, a Kurt Miller team is always gonna be ready to rock and roll. They've gotten so much better over time. They started to get a little bit healthier. Neka Ogumake is making what I think is a stealth all WNBA run to make the first team. So it's gonna be fascinating to see to see how she does. And then the season finale with Washington, we'll need to find Misha so we can talk with her about the Mystics again. Because they, man, I'm like, wow. This, this I, I, I was joking with some friends of mine. I was like, do I go for the Mystics pump pick again when I've seen them not hold no. it down? Before? I'm like, I'm like I, I want to I do it, but I'm like, I know better, but they, I, I'm, think, I'm thinking about it. Like I'm like, hey, they're they're fully healthy. Maybe maybe I maybe I put maybe I bet the house on a Washington. I don't know. We looks like in a couple weeks, but we'll. Okay, you're right though. We gotta have Misha back because you know we kind of asked her. Edd was out at the time last time she joined us here on Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. She wanted to come talk some Liberty Aces with us, and we did carve out some time to talk about uh, Washington. And what did she say? She talked to us about if that had been a team that had been able to eliminate that injury bug, that she would have liked to see what they could do as a healthy squad. And we might get the answer to that coming down the wire. So now, speaking of Washington, the Aces will play – and they will host Washington later this week on Thursday. And then the rest of the way for them are the three games against the two eliminated teams. So they'll host Seattle. Then they'll be at, then they have a a home and home with Phoenix. So for the New York Liberty, I agree with you. It's not impossible. It could be difficult, but not impossible for them to win their last five games. And they're only 1.5 games back of the Las Vegas Aces. So then the next question that I have for you, Brian, is because the even though the, the New York Liberty did what they had to do, they got the win against the Aces to at least keep um, first place within reach. Do you think, though, that they will get the help they need from the Aces that or maybe I should say, will they get the help that they need from either Washington, Seattle, or Phoenix to give the Aces at least one more loss before the regular season wraps? Uh, do I wanna do I wanna bet the house on the Mystics? I am going to bet my house on on the Mystics for Thursday. I think Washington's okay. a lot. Washington's got a lot to play for. They like. Deladon is back. Shakira Austin's back. Ariel Atkins was spraying them from three-point range last time out. Sykes and Cloud really give a lot of pressure on guards, and we saw how, how the Liberty were able to pick up the Aces full court a lot on Monday night. That, that, that wore them down a little bit. And I think for the Mystics, since they have so much to play for, you know they're going to be up for this contest. And I think for them in particular, the fourth seed is still within range technically. They, they'll they need to go on a run of their own so they can get that home court advantage in the first round. Because I like this group is essentially the same as the one last year, and they had to go to Seattle. 
and then they lost two close games out there and they never got that home playoff game in their arena. So I think for this Mystics group, if there is a chance to get to that fourth spot, they're going to go for it. And I think that with with having this full group as close to with, with the exception of Chrissy Tolliver, who's still out, but having as much of the core players in as possible, and they're off to a pretty great start so far at the time of this recording, I think they're going to have just enough to get by Vegas on Thursday. And from there, if the Liberty run the table, because I don't, I don't see the Aces losing to Seattle or Phoenix the last two games of the season. So if the Liberty are able to get that help on Thursday, I think that'll be enough to power them to, to the finish line for the one seed. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to see how it all plays out. And Brian spoke it into existence. So we're going to have to get Misha back on here because yes, things will come down to Washington um, a few ways over. Washington plays an integral part for how the seating for the rest of the way goes. But Brian, we're going to leave it there for now. It's going to be an exciting week or so for the WNBA and definitely for a new New York Liberty franchise. Uh, before we get out of here, though, I heard we had a very special appearance from Jonathan Kolb uh, at Barclays yep. in, in, in the undergirds, the bowels of Barclays, if you will. Yes. And so just let the fans know what is the good word from our general manager after a, an important win against Vegas and with two weeks left in the regular season. Yeah, absolutely. So Jonathan Cobb spoke with the assembled press in a scrum setting after the post after post game on Monday night. We were really able to talk with him a lot just about how the franchise has sort of like grown to this moment in time with the sellout crowd at Barclays Center on Monday night from where they were in 2019 in Westchester, just the steps that they've taken to get to where they are now. And even sort of saluting the players who who were traded last offseason in Natasha Howard and Crystal Dangerfield and how they've been integral to Dallas's success this season. So it was a lot of like happiness and pride that the franchise is here in this moment, but still also recognizing that there's still so many more miles to go and they're not at that full 40 yet where they want to be. So there's still a hunger and a still desire to, to compete make it as far as possible and keep building out from there. And he also talked about what he's seen, how the group has evolved on court. He made special mention, I think, the work that Sandy's done as far as like making sure everyone's on the same page, everyone's pushing in the same direction. And also we saw it in the Saturday game against Minnesota, cutting the turnovers down. Jonathan was talking with us about how the team has gotten more, the chemistry has continued to build. They're cutting down on those turnovers that they that they were making earlier in the season as a lot more focus, a lot more details oriented. And it's you you're really starting to see the vision come into full picture. They're not there. He he acknowledged that there's still more to do and more to get better at to get to the last destination that 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 that, that they want to get to. But this season has been successful in so many ways. Home last and and, and the exit interviews last season. Each player was like, we want to host, we want to, we want to start by hosting a playoff series. Did that. Commissioner's Cup, got that. Magic number for the second seed is at one. So they're gonna have home court in the first round. And worst case scenario, it's gonna be the two seed, but it can go as high as number one seed. So that so that way the playoffs go through Brooklyn. Three making sure that the Liberty are a basketball team that unites all of New York City, which ha which which they've really made progress in that. Their attendance numbers have been up. 
the fans are really locked in. There's so much more, there's, there's so much better promotion of the team, accessibility for the team, the like people know the players, you know, in 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 um the bowels of the building every night, like the workers who are leaving out the building, they're always stopping by to say, Hey, that's a great game y'all played tonight. So you really get that homely community feel for the team in the city and the people who are in the building and around the community. So just being able to establish that foundation has been a huge goal for the franchise, and they've met that while still recognizing that they, they can still do a little bit more. As we get to playoff times, will there will there be even more people in the building? Yes. How how do we get there? By playing great basketball, being really engaged in the community, doing things that really matter, and putting on a product that 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 rewards people's loyalty. Mm. You know, there have been fans who've been with the team since '97 through the, through the lean years, through hopping through MSG, Newark, Westchester, and every and everywhere in between. They've been with them since 1997, and they are in a moment where you have a franchise that's ready to take that next big championship level leap. And for everyone who's been with them on this journey, it's been a bumpy road, but the franchise and the players feel an honor to represent them and really do this for them. So they feel loved and appreciated and they're given a product that they can feel proud of. So I think for Jonathan, it was a lot of pride and when he was speaking with us and also a hope that they can do even more special things coming up. I love it. I think there is so much upside at hand. Well, um, Brian, as always, it is a pleasure to have you join me on this weekly journey on Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. We will be back. We are definitely going to have Nisha back. We're going to get into everything. And we also will have to talk about award season because uh-huh. I think there's a decent amount of representation from the New York Liberty executives, coaches, otherwise, when it comes to the conversation on postseason awards. You mentioned, you know, all WNBA, all defensive, all of that stuff. So show them the box one more time, Brian, before we get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> let's get it. Let's go. It's New York City for MVP. Let's go. All right. Well, Brian, thank you so much. We're glad you're back from vacation and we'll catch up with you next time. Thanks for listening to Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. And make sure you stay tuned either by subscribing on YouTube or following Black Rosie Media, because as we get into the postseason, you know, Brian and I are just going to have to come with some extra, extra love and extra flavor. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, But we're going to call it a wrap for now. Peace out, everybody.